I really wasn't allowed to take them because the salon that I worked at was um, dedicated to one brand specifically. So they were like, no, you can't really work with other brands. So I was just put in a box pretty much. And I was like, yeah, just isn't for me. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa Carrillo. I'm Blake Reed Evans. This is Ashley Allen. I'm Nick Arosio. Hey, it's Jamie Dana, and you're listening to the Hair Game Podcast. Hey, listener, I'm Eric Taylor. So Donovan was telling me, reminding me, really, that we at the Hair Game Podcast are not the only ones who love to hear from you, the hair gamers. Our guests ask us all the time if you hair gamers liked their episode. Of course, the guests are giving their time. They're giving their effort and their blood, sweat, and tears to, to deliver their stories and their, their best messages and they like to hear from you. So if you discovered one of our guests from the podcast and started following them, please send them a message, maybe a DM, and let them know. It really means a lot to them when they hear from you. Also guys, video versions of the episodes are on our YouTube channel for you to watch. Subscribe to the channel for free, The Hair Game, on YouTube and check it out. It's The Hair Game Podcast Playlist. We already have over 20 videos available to watch. Now to my conversation with Marina Selecchia. Hey Marina, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm awesome. For the, the audience often knows that, that uh, I talk to my guests before we start recording. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about uh, our, our uh, joint Italian heritage, Marina Selecchia. Yeah. Obviously an Italian name, beautiful Italian name. I was I'm actually Eric shocked Giacom- that you said that correctly on the first time because usually people say Selecchia. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up Eric DiGiacomo. Love that. And I was called all the different derivations of oh, DiGiacomo, sure. n- none of which none of which sounded like DiGiacomo. Most of most of which sounded like Dewacamole. Yep. I was called DiGiacstrap. I was called all <laughs> versions of DiGiacomo. So I understand what it is to get a, an Italian name butchered. Totally butchered. My maiden name was even worse. So. <laughs> oh really? Oh, what yeah. is your maiden name? Venezuela, but they used to say Venezuela, Venezia. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I dated a girl for a period of time. Her name is Palia. Her last name was. Paglia, P-A-G-L-I-A. Everyone mm-hmm. called her Pags. Pags, <laughs> yeah. like, Paglia. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what a Paglia! What a beautiful name, Paglia. What a beautiful name. But when you right. when you um, Americanize it into Paglia, it just becomes not you know, so pretty. Harsh. <laughs> not so pretty. Okay, you, Marina, are a Pennsylvania hairdresser. You focus on lived-in color and brunettes. Yes. You're a trust professional artist. I am. And you're a member of the BTC team. Yeah. So that's my official introduction of you. Anything else you want to add in there before we get into kind of where you're from and how you got in hair? No, I think that's the main focus for me right now. I I do I would like to mention for the audience you you weren't born in the U.S. Is that right? I was born in the U.S. I'm just you I'm were born first in the U.S. Gen- both of my parents were born in Italy, but I'm first generation born here. Got it. So we were talking about how the cultures have changed, mm-hmm. how back then when the previous generations immigrated, emigrated into uh, the United States from somewhere else, um, the culture was to, at least when my grandparents came over, the culture was mm-hmm. to ditch your mother tongue 
and to um, kind of, uh, what, what is the word, matriculate or um, kind of work your way into the new culture of the, of right. the United States by learning English as quickly as possible because that was like the way to become successful. And so consequently, my dad did not learn Italian, even though he was born shortly after my grandparents came over, mm-hmm. you know, through Ellis Island and all the proverbial right. stuff in the 1920s and 30s. And so he didn't learn Italian, but you did. I did. Yeah, my parents came here in the 70s, and um, obviously it was really important for them to learn English when they got here. But they really held on to their Italian traditions and the language and everything. So I actually didn't, I don't remember, but um, they said that I didn't learn to speak English until I went to kindergarten when I was five. So at home we just spoke Italian. That was my first language. That's amazing. And so do you still speak Italian? I do. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. Okay. So, um, so tell us where you're from originally and how you got into hair in the first place. So I am from Pennsylvania, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It's not too far from Philadelphia and I've been doing hair for 20 years now. Um, it's something that I've always loved. I had one of my mom's sisters, my aunt was a hairdresser and had a hair salon and I always loved going there. I used to like shampoo for her to help her out, uh, sweep the floors, whatever I could do. And of course, uh, since my parents came here from a different country and they didn't go to college, they were like, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. That's what Americans do. You need to go. So I did go to college for a year, even though I wanted to do hair, but I went to college for a year to make them happy. And I was still like, nope, I still want to do hair. So I stopped and I went to beauty school and then that's it. I've been doing it for 20 years now. And did they give you a hard time? Not really. I think they just Why? Like, I, I'm going to do the Italian accent. Why are you a dropping out of school? Yeah. You have yeah, to go to university. This is the way it was. But the thing was, I they wanted me to go to college, but I wasn't allowed to live there, of course, because super strict Italian parents, like, you're not moving out until you're married. So you can drive and you can commute <laughs> to college. That was probably another reason why I was like, yeah, no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Okay, so you so hair was your love yeah. from an early Very, age. I mean, when I was in school, I remember like high school dances. Like you know, I was, everybody would come to my house. I would do their hair. I just always loved it. And I'm curious because I've actually never asked this question. I get the I get a version of your story very often mm-hmm. when we're talking to hairdressers that you started sweeping hair and shampooing and doing whatever in the salon for your aunt, your mm-hmm. parents, your whoever. And I mean, did you get paid? I can't remember. I think she might've like tried to give me something, but she would always do my hair for nothing too. So I, you know, it okay. wasn't about the money. It was just like, I liked being there. And did you, that's interesting. And what, what did you like about being there? I just love the feel. I mean, I love getting my hair done. I remember that. Like I thought I was the coolest thing ever when I walked out of that salon. Like, and you know, this is talking when I was younger. So even like the eighties hairdo with the bangs and all, Oh my God, like thinking back, but I just love that feeling of how I felt when I left there. Like I looked good. Like I felt good because I loved my hair. You know what I mean? So I always love that mm-hmm. feeling of like seeing people leave, being happy, feeling good, like liking the way they look. So I just, it was always mm-hmm. something that intrigued me. And was there a, I'm leading you in a certain direction right now. Um, mm-hmm. w- was there a certain aspect of uh, the services that you, you liked the idea of more? Did you like coloring early on? Did you like any sort of chemical services early on? Or did you like cutting? So or did you not know? I, just 
when I started beauty school, uh, for sure, my favorite, two favorite things were coloring. Well, that was my first, that was always my favorite coloring and actually styling. So we're talking 20 years ago. So like updos were still kind of like a thing. They're kind of starting to come back now, but, um, I loved styling and color. I hated hated perms i would run we had to do like a certain amount you know to like graduate and i would either Mm -hmm. like be out sick that day or like can you please fudge my papers my teacher loved me so she would (laughs) but yeah (laughs) perms was a big no for me um and cutting i was always just like eh. like i loved guys cuts still to this day i don't Mm -hmm. do them Mm -hmm. i just color my salon but i do cut my son's hair um yeah so i would say men's cuts but women's cutting i could take it or leave it i never really liked it i liked blow drying and styling but not cutting so the very first salon that I went to work at, which was the only salon I worked at for 18 years before I opened my own studio, um, was actually departmentalized. And I didn't know that when I got the job. It was like I saw an ad in the paper. They were looking for somebody. I was in beauty school. I needed a job. Started shampooing. And when I got there and got the job, they're like, oh, by the way, we're departmentalized. So you have to either pick color or cutting. And I was like, oh, really? Which kind of I didn't care because I liked coloring better anyway. So that's how yeah. that kind of led me into where I am now where I just strictly do color. Very cool. Okay, so were you good at it in school? Yeah. Color? I mean, I yeah, I'd say were I was. You bad? Were you bad at cutting? I wouldn't say I was bad at it. I just like, like it? didn't really, like it didn't do anything for me. It didn't make me excited. I wasn't okay. like, yeah. So you're passionate about color. Yeah. You get out. You found an ad, a one ad mm-hmm. in the paper yeah. or wherever. I mean, you're not that old. It was probably online. I'm 30. No, it was literally it. in the paper. I'm not even kidding. I, yeah, it was in the newspaper. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And cool. only the, and uh, I, like not that I used newspaper? to read the newspaper, but at the time I worked in my cousin's restaurant. I was like waitressing while I was in high school and I was in beauty school. And mm. he would always have the paper there. So that's why I saw the ad in the paper. Not that I, yeah ever really read the paper about okay interesting yeah. serendipitous yeah. maybe so you so you you saw the ad you went over there and you just signed up yeah. and that was it and and you were there for 18 years yeah, I think it was which 17 is 17 or 18 years yeah this july will be three years that i'm here in my studio so maybe 17 years 17 or 18 years i was there yeah and you did color only what was it departmentalized that entire time that you were there yes Okay. And the, when you were there for that period of time, how did your role change? So when I first started there, you had to start as like, um, shampoo purse, shampoo tech. So you start shampooing and then you choose whether you want to do cutting or color. And then you're trained in that department. So you had to be like an assistant and train for a year or two, depending on how long, you know, it took you to pick up everything. I trained for about a year and then went on the floor. Okay. And then through the period of time, so so you you they built a foundation for you, which is mm-hmm. great, and um, and taught you in a real practical sense, and you got a really good idea of how an actual salon works with actual mm-hmm. clients, etc. And and then how did the payment structure evolve as you were there? I imagine that it evolved because you were there for a long period mm-hmm. of time. And if it didn't evolve, if, if you weren't able to scale up your earnings, you wouldn't have been there so long. Yeah. Um, I think it was commission, obviously it's a regular traditional commission based salon. Um, 
Yeah, and it was. I think it was just like a sliding scale. If you brought in so much, you would get this percent. If you brought in that, you know, much, you would get that percent, and you were capped out at fifty percent or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why did you leave ultimately? Um, I left because it happened during COVID. I think like many people, mm-hmm. um, no intentions of leaving. Like literally, I thought I would retire there. I mean, I was comfortable. I did get to a point where I was like maxed out. I was. Bring, I was at the point where I was changing my book. I really wanted to just focus on LinkedIn color. So I was kind of like, I don't want to say weeding out because that sounds horrible, but like, you know, kind of getting rid of some of the just like single process colors um, and trying to really bring in new clients for LinkedIn color because that's just like what I love doing the most. Um, and I was bringing new clients in like all the time. Like that's when I started my Instagram page and. So I was really, really, really busy. Um, and I was just capped out. I couldn't, you know, I had to ask, can I, is there a way I can bring, make more money? Like I'm bringing all these new clients in, but I was just capped out. So that was a reason. Um, but it was, it did happen during COVID. Um, we were closed for, I don't know, three months, I think. And we were just about to reopen and it was a pretty big salon. So there was a lot of us working and with the new COVID uh, rules, they were like, you know, we can't all be in there at the same time. We're going to have to work in shifts. And here I am. I'm like, what the hell? Like I haven't worked in three months, didn't get paid for three months. You know, I'm going back to work finally and I can't even work my full schedule and bring in what I used to bring in because now we're limited with how many hours we can work. So, um, Pennsylvania just started like a few years back with the um, salon suites before it wasn't like a thing yes. and chair rentals not a thing in Pennsylvania either so really the only option right. the, the laws are different yeah. laws are different in Pennsylvania yeah. yep. yep so there was no chair rental there's still no chair rental and before there were no suites so really salons were your only option um, so suites were starting to pop up everywhere I'd been hearing about them there was one opening right by my house, which is, um, I saw the sign for it and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So I had called during COVID just to like, kind of scope out and see what, what it was about. Um, and they were like, you know, where do you work now? And I told them, I was like, Warrington, Pennsylvania, like, Oh, we're actually opening one in Warrington and it's like ready. We're just waiting for COVID like, you know, the laws to be lifted and it's going to open up. And I was like, Oh, all right. That was it. Like a month goes by, it's still COVID. We're still, like I, I never thought I was going to do it, so I just didn't even think twice about it. I just kind of wanted to like get information. But the closer we got to reopening and you know figuring out that I wasn't going to be able to go back to work like I normally was for a while, I decided to come and look at this place. And I don't know. It was like the second I walked in and I saw it, and I was I don't know. I had a feeling like this is I, I want to be here. And I was literally scared out of my mind. I don't have anxiety. I'm not an anxious person, but I full blown like had a panic attack when I made the decision to do this because I mean, I was at that place for 18 years. That's a long time. And the only salon that I ever worked at. So to make a decision and, and we were opening in like the, the suites were opening in like two weeks. So I literally made this decision because I wasn't going to like go back to the salon for a couple days or a couple weeks and then transition again. I'm like, if I'm doing it, I'm just right. going to do it now, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was like the scariest, craziest, hardest decision I've ever made in my entire life. Um, but it's also turned out to be the best thing that I've ever done, ever. I'm so Amazing. happy and I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that I did it. Amazing. Why? Why is it so great? Everything has just changed. I mean, um, I was also at that salon, you know, listen, 
if it wasn't good, I wouldn't have been there that long, but I also reached a point where things started to change and the industry started to change and Instagram, Instagram became a really big thing. And, you know, I was one of the only people that was utilizing Instagram and, you know, taking pictures and some people were like really cool about it. And some people were like, there she is again. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, and I don't like that feeling. I'm always like, listen, if if you're doing something I don't want to do, I'm not going to judge you for it. Do your thing, you know? So there was some of that. And then also I was just limited. Like I started getting opportunities given to me through brands and companies and stuff on Instagram. And I really wasn't allowed to take them because the salon that I worked at was, um, dedicated to one brand specifically. So they were like, no, you can't really work with other brands. So I was just put in a box pretty much. And I was like, yeah, just isn't for me. So once I came here, I mean, a, the flexibility of making my own schedule for my family was a game changer. Um, and just the vibe, I mean, like everybody here, I think because in order to have something like this, you kind of have to be established and have a book. So there's like no feeling of competition ever. Like this is a pretty big suite. There's like 35 girls here, I think, or people that work here. And never once has there been like everybody's just happy everybody it's just a good vibe when you walk in like you're happy to come to work. i love coming to work like my husband tells me all the time like you don't know how lucky you are that you love your job because not many people can say that and i do i love so true. i love coming to work it's it's just a happy place it's good even my clients like i posted something on my story the other day that somebody i shared it it was like um besides the financial aspect of like opening your own place or own suite it's about like the good vibes and the happy energy. And one of my clients responded and she's like, you know, I have to say as a client, I feel that like in your place since the move and I love it. So that made me like, it's like, you know, I made the right decision. So it's a good feeling. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Super huge. On, on your profile, on your Instagram, it says that your books are closed. Yeah. That's the goal of every hairstylist or every beauty professional, right? Or any service professional is for their books to be closed. It's a good right? feeling. It's a, it's a mixed feeling. Like, it's a good feeling because it's like I'm at my max capacity. Like, uh, you know, I'm doing well and I've built my dream clientele. Like, I literally love every single one of my clients. Like, it's, it's a really Amazing. good feeling. But it's also like I get DMs and messages like every day. And some like sometimes people take it really like, well, like good for you. I'm so happy for you. Like that's amazing. You know, your work is beautiful, so your books are closed. I totally get it. And some people are like, they just don't get it. They're like, Well, why? Like, well, when is it gonna open? Well, I'm like, <laughs> um, if my clients leave me, it'll open. Like I'm only one person. I only take one client at a time. I don't double book, I don't have an assistant. Like this is all me. Everything from start to finish. I shampoo, I color. I book, I check out, I, I do everything. So I'm only one person and I have kids. Like I have a life outside of here too. So sometimes getting them to understand that's a little difficult, but. Okay. And then of course you could have an assistant. You could have somebody helping with those things, but you choose not to, which is fine. It's a personal thing. That's one of the great things about the industry Mm -hmm. is you can do it however you want to do it. Do you know what I'm going to say next though? Or what my next question is Why don't you have an assistant? Uh, no. I mean, have you raised your prices? Yes. I Since I came here, well, I raised my prices initially when I first moved to the suites. And then um, I've only raised them once since I've been here. And July, next month will be three years that I'm here. So I've raised them once. Okay. You raised them once in three years. Okay. And about how much did you raise them? 
I'd say uh, on a percentage basis, you know, yeah, give or take. I don't even know percentage, maybe 10% or something, I'd say. Okay. All right. So, I mean, of course, you could do whatever you want, but the some industry experts will say, you know, one of the things that you want to do is you want to keep increasing your prices to kind of keep, you know, new clients coming in who are willing to pay right. more, right? And to kind of call those who aren't willing to pay more. And that's how you kind of advance, you know, with your own right. income. But of course, it's a totally subjective decision. So I feel if you're happy with how much money you're making, it's right. all good. So I definitely am happy, but of course, like who, who doesn't want to make more, obviously. But yeah. I feel like, like I said, I'm really lucky in the fact that I love every single one of my clients. Like, I feel like I did sure. that at a time where I was trying to kind of weed people out and services out that I didn't really want to do anymore. But I'm literally at a point where like I do lived in 90% of what I do is lived in color. I still have a couple of my like OG clients that are touch ups that are, I just love them. So, but I don't really have anything or anybody to weed out. So it's like, but obviously like on the rare occasion that I am able to take a new client, if I can squeeze one in here or there, they're going to be paying more than my existing clients. Like they would be paying a price that yeah. if I was to open my books and that's the price that, you know, new clients would be paying. That makes right. sense. So if right. I ever do take so, a new client, yeah, they're paying yeah, a little bit sure. So, Said another way, you you're so happy with the clients that you have, every mm -hmm. single one of them, that like I didn't lose one client when I raised my prices. <laughs> That's what like someone. I want you like, to say that prices. again. I want you to, I want you to say that again for everyone listening. I didn't lose one single client when I raised my prices. Like not one. So that's what a lot of my friends were like. Well, you got to raise your prices. <laughs> They're like, you got to raise your prices so you can like weed people out and make room for new clients. And I'm like, all right, but no, I, I didn't lose any of them. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, inflation over the last yeah. three years is real <laughs> collectively has been about 20 to 25%. Yeah. Right. Because it's been, I mean, for certain things like food, it's, it's, Insane. you know, a little bit higher than that. Mm -hmm. Um, for other things, for, for certain types of services, like if you want to get a, um, if you want to get a contractor in to fix a hole in yeah. a wall, it's probably more like 30 to 35% yeah. more expensive now than it was three Absolutely. years ago. So, right. So these are the, these are the types of things that I, I encourage all of our listeners to mm -hmm. keep in mind is that inflation has been real the last yep. three years. So if you're not increasing your prices like that um, or getting more clients or whatever somebody's particular situation mm -hmm. may be, then you're actually making less money. Now, your situation is uniquely awesome. There's no doubt about it. Um, I just want to reach through the screen and hug you for, for being in such a great Thank position. You. you know, you loved where you work in your studio. You love all your clients, which is, you know, the dream of every hairstylist. Literally. Like, gone um, are the days when literally. you look at your schedule and you're like, oh, man. Like, you know, it's, I literally never have one of those days, ever. And, and, and that's spectacular. Um, and, and it's a, it, it's a testament to how you've managed your business, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but for those who are not in that great of a situation, mm -hmm. you know, there are tidbits here uh, for them to glean. Things like raising your prices 10% might seem like a lot, and people right. get so scared at yeah. that idea. I mean, it is scary, but, but not it, it, one yeah, it's a scary person thing, but left yeah, here. Not one person. I even not actually had a couple people email person. me back and were like, I'm with you for life. So I'm like, and one wrote the nicest email was just like, you know, um, I'm so happy for you at this point in your career. Like, I love the work that you do. I love besides being my hair colorist, like I, I value our friendship and I'm so happy for this point that you've reached in your career and you deserve a raise and I'm with you forever. I'm like, literally just made me cry. It was so nice. Yeah. No, that it's it's spectacular, um, and and of course I I never want somebody to feel like um, uh, when you raise your prices you're taking advantage of your clients. You're not. No. You're just trying to stay up with where right. inflationary totally um, expenses have gone. Totally. And and this is then this is a broad message for any. I mean this is this is for the the hair industries particularly because. Uh, we all know that collectively we've done a bad job historically of of keeping up with inflation. But uh, for any service industry, you know, you gotta you gotta do that. Yeah. Especially service indus industries where where the the individuals uh, make those decisions versus like a corporate umbrella makes the decisions because a right. corporate umbrella typically does a better job at this. You know, yeah. there's there's accountants who recognize that inflation yeah. was eight percent last year and it was seven right. percent the previous year and they know that they and they force everyone you know an, on the service level um, to increase their prices. Mm -hmm. But in our industry, it's much more independent. Yeah. So. It's much harder. So, so the people who are great at doing hair are not the people who are great at doing the math of historical inflation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I, I bring this up pretty often yeah. because it's how we maintain our strength as an industry, yeah. our financial strength as an industry. I also think the value of like some people are just like, oh, I'm going to raise my prices just because like so and so's prices is this or whatever. Like, I also think it's super important. Like the value of what you're providing them has to be there in order for you to be able to raise your prices to a certain point. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And and I think we, we talk more about that than the increasing of the prices because you're 100% correct. There is yeah. there is a, a, a counteracting sort of uh, part to this mm -hmm. formula. Your clients, you, and it, it almost almost goes without saying um, but but it needs to be said. You're you're right because somebody a listener may not have assumed that mm -hmm. you clearly are are giving so much value to your clients that it is worth it to them to pay ten percent more, probably twenty five percent more. You know whatever that number may be, you're giving value greater than that, and that's why not one of them left. Um, aside from their ability to pay or not. Right. Um, you're definitely providing that value. You've you built up th that foundation early in your career, and you're you're giving all that, and even more so, doing it better um, per that one testimonial that you just talked about. You know, in your current situation as an independent, yeah. where you, you can use your own products, absolutely, you can do your own hours, you can provide the experience that you want versus the experience that the pre your previous salon owner right. wants. 
and your and your clients feel yeah. that. And I've been in this industry for 23 years. I've heard that so many times. I, I can't say it enough. Mm-hmm that the clients feel that totally. they feel you being happy and doing things the way that you yep. you want them to be done. Yep. So that's just amazing. I'm just so happy. I I, I I don't think we have anything else to talk about here. So maybe we should just wrap up the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I always have something to talk about. Um, since you brought it up and it's such a good counterbalancing point to to me bringing up the price thing, why don't you kind of talk about maybe the the basics of the experience that you do provide that have led to your books being full? Um, I think once I like tried to get more of like the, you know, I really became passionate about lived in color. It was like, I don't know, years ago when like ombre started, it was like the big trend. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is like something new and different. And I didn't know how to do it. Um, we really like the old salon I worked at, we would have classes. They would have, you know, back then it was more, it wasn't really independent um, education like there is now. It was like, you know, you had a brand who was going to send their people out to teach you stuff, but it wasn't really like, um, technique. It was more like, you know, the product or formulation or whatever. So I don't know. I was like YouTube then I think was like big before like Instagram was big. So I would just like watch videos on end. I swear it was like Guy Tang who got me. He would tease away. Just I would see him tease, and I'm like, "What is this guy doing? I don't know, but I want to do it." <laughs> and I remember going to work, and I just like started teasing hair, and it was like, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know. I saw him do it. I'm gonna just try it." And it was trial yeah. and error. I gotta say, like in the beginning when I really started, you know, doing more of that kind of work, I was like, every client I was doing, I was literally inside having a heart attack, like palpitations. But I'm just like, yeah. I know how to do this. Like pretend you know how to do it. I really don't know. I'm just, you're my first person I'm trying this on. They don't know that, but you know, you that's, I just kept doing it. Like, I feel like it's so true. I've like, you know, there's a saying, if you, if it makes you scared, then it's like, you're growing and it's so true. Like, you know, I reached a point where I was just like, not stagnant, but I was just going to work to go to work. Like it was a job. And then once I reached that point where I was like, I want to just do more of what makes me happy. I became passionate about it again. And, like I said, then Instagram started and I started posting more of the work that I liked doing, which was like the lived in the balayage look. I started getting more clients with that. And when that like took over my book and it was just like the work that I liked doing every day, I mean, it just, that changed my career for sure. And then becoming specialized in that kind of work, especially, I mean, I do blondes too, but brunettes are like my passion, I'd say. So and I get so many messages from people saying like, it's so hard to find somebody that does brunettes. Like everybody does blondes. It seems like, but it's really hard finding somebody that does brunettes and who does them well. So that was like a big game changer too. Like, I think when you specialize in something and you're really passionate about one thing and you kind of try to, I don't want to say perfect cause I'm not no means perfect, but try to really become good at something and you know you advertise that you're going to get more of that and it becomes a demand and you know that's mm-hmm. where i'm at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely and and you like it i love it you don't get bored with it you like it you no. love it i love it um i like how you said you you don't do it perfectly of course you recognize that yeah. um but like anybody's perfect but you, you know? recognize you, just, you do yeah sure Mm-hmm. You recognize you do great, and of course your Instagram page is a testament, testament, testimonial to how amazing you are at it. So I I wouldn't doubt that any lady 
who wants to, you know, get her brunette like dialed in is going to look at your Instagram page and be like, she's the one I have to go to Marina. And I think that's one reason why your books are full because you are the expert in your area in that. Uh, And then there may be a few other people, right? But I mean, you're one of them. Um, and and it's and it's uh, it's such a great I, it's marketing, but I, I I almost feel like by saying it's marketing I, I devalue it. But I, I want people to recognize how valuable it is from a marketing perspective. Like if you want to build your books, yes. you create a, a a specialization. Yes. One of the ways to do it is to build a specialization like you have, mm-hmm. make it that clear yep. in your marketing. In this Absolutely. case, Instagram. To where if a client, a, a client, a prospective client, somebody that you don't know goes to your page, it's so obvious what you do. that yeah. they're what you do, then what they're going right. to get. And so there's going to be a percentage of the people who go to your page and who want that mm-hmm. and they're going to call you. Yep. I always say that. So I'm like, you're never going to see like pink hair on my page. You just never, I'll never do it. It's not. It's not something I would be good at. Like if a client was like, oh, can you do pink hair? I'd be like, no, I can't. But here's something, like, could I do it? Yeah. Would I be the best person for you to do it? No. Like, this is what I'm good at. You can see my work. You know, this is my portfolio. That's what you're coming to me for. I feel like that's really important. And I don't want to say like, just specialize in one thing. Like, don't learn everything. Like, of course you want to learn all the things, but if there's something that you're more passionate about and something that you like doing more than another, then focus in on that. Try to get that client in your chair. That's what's going to make you busy. That's what's going to make you happy. Because if you're doing the work that you love doing, and obviously you're going to put more time and effort into learning that because you're passionate about it, you're going to become better at it. And you specialize that and there you go, you know? Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. So you've gotten to the point now where it looks like your page is not just trafficked by prospective clients, but there's lots of people who are looking at your I'm sure a lot of hairdressers are looking at your page. You know, you, you seem to be doing a pretty good job of, you know, quasi-educating uh, on your page on brunettes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of hairdressers are, are now looking looking at your page, which leads to other opportunities, things yeah. like trusts and things like the BTC team. Yeah. And I'm sure many things that have uh, come across your, your, your um, DMs mm-hmm. that you said no to. Mm-hmm. How do you know to say no to trust, or sorry, how do you know to say yes to trust and to BTC and no to the other three or four brands that reached out to you? I always, I'm a very, like I'm always adamant about like, Brands will reach out to me all the time and say, you know, we want to work with you. We want to whatever. Like I, I need to try your product first, number one, and I need to like it. So I am, I will never be that person that is going to like take on a gig just because they're paying me to advertise their product product. Never going to (laughs) happen. The only way Mm -hmm. I'll do that is if I genuinely love the product, then absolutely. Um, and that's kind of what happened with trust when they had reached out to me, I was still actually working at the other salon when they had reached out to me. And that was one of the opportunities that I initially had turned down because I was told that I couldn't work with them because of them choosing to just work with another brand. Um, and then they had reached out again. They're like, you know, we still want to work with you. Um, and then I was like, I had never tried their products before. And they're fairly at that time, especially were pretty new in the U S they're Brazilian companies. They've been around for like 20 years there, but in the U S it's been about five years or so that they've become pretty big. 
So I was like, sure, send me your products. I'll try them. And I fell in love with them. And then I moved here, of course, and I had more flexibility to do whatever I wanted with brands and whatever. So that's how that started. And I'm so grateful for them. They're like amazing people, amazing brand, amazing company, products, everything, but also just really good people. That's really important for me too. Like, I don't, I like to work with people who are appreciating me as a person also, not just looking at me as numbers to promote their product and whatever. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but as somebody who gets a lot of products mailed mm-hmm. to him, mm-hmm. um, you, you can't try everything. I mean, how do you, and trying a product takes time. Yeah. So how do you decide which one to try and which one not to? And maybe this is more of a question for now versus then, because maybe now you're getting, yeah. you know, more hit up a little bit more. For sure. Then I was like, I'll try anything. I get a box in the mail right. from a brand. You're like, Oh my God, I'm so special. Free you know? product. Yeah. And it's like a yeah. good feeling that somebody's reaching out to you and wanting to, you know, have you try their products. Um, but now, yeah, if I, I get a lot of DMS and if I feel like it's something that I'm genuinely interested in trying, then I'm absolutely like, yeah, send it to me. I'll try it. But if it's something that I know that I'm not going to use or something that's, you know, not in my wheelhouse, then I'll just be honest and say that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're behind the chair. That's your main gig. You love your clients. What is the most difficult conversation that you've ever had with a client in the chair? Hmm. Difficult. I don't know. I would say probably like when I was at that point where I was transitioning my book into just lived in color, um, and kind of wanting to get away from the single processes and root touch-ups and stuff, I guess explaining to some of my clients in a way to have them understand that it's not like, cause some people are like, Oh, you just don't want to do gray hair anymore. Like they think I'm like, I don't like gray. I have gray hair. I do my roots every four weeks. It's terrible, <laughs> but it's not that it's just, you know, I wanted to focus on something else. And most of them took it like totally fine. They were like, that's great. Like that you're doing something that you love. Like I'm happy for you. Some were I didn't have anybody that was like mad or anything, but I think some were just like, didn't really understand like, well, what do you mean? You don't want to do my hair anymore. Or what do you mean? You don't want to do gray hair anymore. So just trying to under get them to understand like what I was doing and where I was trying to go, um, was a little bit more difficult for some clients and others. But I mean, for the most part, they all pretty much understood. I could see that that would be confused, especially maybe, an older person. And I think uh-huh. I only there, say who that because yeah. he doesn't understand the fact that a hairstylist can be successful to the extent that they can choose what they want to do. Yes. Yes. Because yes. going back several decades, um, it wasn't like, that. I, I, I don't, yeah, it wasn't like that. No. And now it's like that. You didn't pick or cho- You didn't have the option to choose the clients that you wanted to do. It was, you just took right. whatever walked in the door, you took, you know, that's and right. it's, it's you're, just, you're so standing there now. waiting, yeah, you're standing literally. there waiting for whatever walked in the door. Yeah. yeah. And things yeah. have changed and, you know, I hopefully things have changed drastically and hopefully, uh, you know, people are wrecking clients are recognizing the value of, of, of a good hairdresser and what they yeah. can deliver. And of course, um, there's a payment, there's a, there's an increased payment component that, that comes with that. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's like, you know, when I started too, it was so long ago, like I said, there was no social media. It was like, here's my business card. Mm -hmm. Tell your friend. You know what I mean? It was a lot harder to build a book back then. So I feel like for those that are, who are just starting out now, like I always tell them when I teach classes, like that's been a really big, um, part of my career now too, which I never thought I would be doing is educating, but I do now and I love it. And that's like a big thing that I always tell the newbies that are just starting out now too. It's like, my God, Instagram is like a free tool, like a literally free advertisement. Like you can make your page, whatever you want it to be. And you can literally attract any client that you want in your chair. Like you're so lucky. And if you do it well and you do it correctly, like you're setting yourself up for success so much easier than it was when I started 20 years ago, you know? Mm hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of these young people at this point will be it would be like, oh, it's horrible. I have to spend time on Instagram <laughs> and Instagram is, is not promoting my posts. It's and all, not, the, all yeah. Instagram wants money. Yeah. It's not. When I tell you, like, ask my husband or my clients are like, oh, did you watch this show on Netflix? I'm like, I don't even know how to turn my TV on. And that's not exaggerating. My kids make fun of me. I don't watch TV. Like my free time is my work on social media. It takes time. It takes effort. It's a second time, full-time job, but it's giving me so many more opportunities than I've never had. Like I don't work as much behind the chair because I'm also making money through social media when I'm not behind the chair. So it's, sure. there's a lot of opportunity out there for it. Right. That's the job behind the job that nobody sees. Everybody exactly. wants to be sponsored, but they yep. don't recognize that being sponsored means that, that you have different job. Yep. An additional Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All right. If you, if you could wave a wand and change anything about the industry at all, what would it be? Hmm. That's a hard question. Um, I could change anything in this industry. I think for me being in it this long, I actually like the direction it's taken lately where I feel like people are more like when I started, it was like, you can't even share formulas. Like that was like, Oh my God, no way. Can you have your formula? Even if like a client was moving to Florida and my boss would be like, no, you can't give them their formula. What now it's so different. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's more, I don't know. It's not like that anymore, but I would say if anything, I don't like when people are like, Oh, I hear a lot like, Oh, they're so lucky. You're so lucky that, you know, your book is closed or you're so lucky that, you know, you're on the BTC team or whatever. Like it's not luck. Like I think that's another thing. A lot of the young people think like, it's just overnight. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this. And it's just because Instagram, like it likes me and doesn't like, you know, another person it's not, it's work. It's a lot of work. So that's the only thing I would say is like, sometimes I think people devalue or not devalue. They just don't see the work that you put in behind the scenes and they just think it's luck and it's not luck. It's, it's a lot of work. Amen, sister, because yep. if by recognizing the work that requires them to recognize the fact that they aren't putting the work in and they don't want to recognize the fact that they Correct. aren't putting the work in. Yep. It's easier That's to blame for Instagram to for not for their algorithm or so and so for this than it is to actually say, well, maybe I'm not putting in as much effort as I should be if I want to reach this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And in many cases, the work is not simply just logging hours. The work is doing it intelligently. Something like, 
you know, you put in an hour into a post and it didn't work. Okay, well, try something else. Then you learn from that. that. Okay, they didn't, you know, the audience didn't take to that as well as I thought they would. But um, let me look back at the ones that did really well. And, oh, well, they always, you know, like those kind of posts. So let me make more of them. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a friend who had a job in, uh, it was like pharmaceutical sales or something. And... She used to, every time I talked to her, she was in the car driving somewhere. And I'm like, what, what are you, do, do, where are you driving now? And I'm driving to San Diego from LA. Why are you driving to San Diego? That's, you could spend three hours. Turns out, and I, I, she ultimately admitted that she ended up driving around most of the time, most of the time because that's how she felt like she was working mm-hmm. a lot. But she wasn't actually, actually doing productive work. Right. But it made her feel good. Mm-hmm. Because she felt like she was working a lot. And of course, she wasn't producing what she was supposed to be producing, right. you know, according to what, what her job was. Right. And I think a lot of people do this, you know, busy work. They think that busy work is, is working. You also have to use your brain. You 100%. know, you have, to, you have to be productive in yeah. how you do it. It's, it. it's the time plus it's it's the intelligence. You know, it's the thinking. Yep. Uh, you have to think through it, you know, be thoughtful about things like Absolutely. this. All right. Beautiful. I, I love all that. Uh, do you have any hair horror stories? I actually don't think I do. I mean, 20 years is a long time. You never trying to think fried back, off somebody's entire head of hair? No, no. God, no. Knock on wood that that never happens. But till this day, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. No. <laughs> do you ever have like... I don't know, client had a stroke or something, or maybe somebody God. slipped and fell. And I had no, I, I think the most I can ever think of that was like totally skeevy is like a client had a tick in their head, but that was like the extent. Okay, of, that's gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell, that, that would be a new one. Okay. So, well, yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> I, I'm just like literally sectioning your hair. I'm like, oh my God, what? What is that? And I love, I'm like, oh yeah, yep, that, that's a tick. So I did. I had to go get tweezers and pluck that right out of her head. It's pretty gross. Shut Swear up. Swear to okay. God. <laughs> so on scalp, on scalp. or on no, hair no, shaft? On scalp. Like attached. Oh. Nope. My God, that is so disgusting. Oh, no. <laughs> so wait, and and I'd, I've never actually seen a tick on skin, uh-huh. but don't they like try to burrow in? I mean, oh, yeah. so was it burrowing like into the scalp? I mean, it was definitely attached where I had to like, you know, pick it out, but it wasn't like burrowed, I'd say. No, it was probably on there for a short amount of time. <laughs> was it in the process of trying to burrow in? Like, could you tell its little legs were like Oh, yeah, it was like scratching. It was definitely, yeah, in there attached. <laughs> oh, my God. Ski- skeevy was the right Skeevy's, adjective to yep. use. Wow. Okay, that that's a first on the Hair Game Podcast, <laughs> Hair Horror Stories. And look, I had to drag it out of you. You didn't just in, you know immediately come up with, oh my God, I saw a tick right. on somebody's scalp. Maybe that is because so I'm so disgusting. Like my my dad, my brother, my husband—they're all hunters. Like they're all in the woods, and they're I, I'm used uh, to like seeing. T- and my kids—they play outside, so maybe I don't know. Ticks are big in this area where we're at, so maybe I'm just like so used to them that I mean it was gross, but I wasn't like dying. I think I would die more if it was like lice. That knock on wood has never happened to me, but yeah. I would legit I would die. I think if I saw that. <laughs> We've had a lie story, and, and in fact, it was a lie story behind uh, backstage at a hair show. 
before the hair model was uh, going to get something done or before she was mm-hmm. going to go on stage to get something done in front of people. The, the hairstylist and my guest on the podcast looked in there and saw just lice ridden. Oh my and God, no. for the audience, if you didn't listen to that already, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly who that was. Clearly, it was somebody who educates on stage at hair shows. But anyway, any last words for the community, Marina? Um, I just want to thank you guys for having me. It's my first podcast. It's so exciting. Um, and it was really easy it. to talk to you. So this is cool. Good. I've been accused of being easy to yeah, talk love to it. in the past. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I love your story. Thank you. You've done such a great job. You're such a success story. Everybody listening is um, can get so many valuable things from what you've done and where you've gotten your and where you've gotten yourself. So we all appreciate it very much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hey listeners, hope you liked that episode. If you have a moment and you're an Apple user, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or iTunes. Here's what you do. You scroll down to ratings and reviews. You click on the empty purple stars. Five is the best, one is means you hate me. Then you click on write a review and you let us know what you love the most. Each rating and review helps us reach more and more of your fellow hair loves. And our goal is to help as many hairdressers in the industry find success as possible. Thank you in advance. Next week's episode will be with Abigail Bazzoli. Until then, have a great week.